Welcome to the preaching and teaching ministry of Mary and Oaks Assembly of God in Ocala, Florida. We invite you to open your Bible as we join Pastor Tim McIntyre for today's message for Bible study. Hopefully by now you've found Luke chapter 6, and if you haven't, Go ahead and find it because we're going to be reading from there in just a moment. We are still in our series on the life of Jesus from the Gospel of Luke. And we started that last fall. We're working our way all the way through the Gospel of Luke. So it's going to take us a while. But we took a break for Christmas. We took a break for some other things. And uh, in a couple of weeks, we're going to take another break. Right now, we're right in the middle of a passage at the end of Luke chapter 6 where Jesus is standing, Luke says, on a level plane, and he is teaching his disciples. And it's not just the 12 disciples, it's a bunch of disciples, and Luke also makes it clear that there's a whole bunch of people that aren't disciples that are there. There are people that have come to hear this special rabbi teacher teach. There are people that have come to have themselves healed or to have a loved one healed. There are people that have come to have demons cast out, and all that has happened. But Jesus is now teaching, and we've already dealt with several weeks' worth of teaching, and we're going to do that again today. My plan, my goal is that next week we're going to finish up that section on teaching. And then after that, we're going to take a break and go a different direction for a little while, but then we'll work our, back to Luke, work our way back to Luke a little bit later on this fall, just so you kind of know where we're going. But today we pick it up in the middle of this teaching that Jesus is doing. And the title of my message today is To Judge or Not to Judge. To Judge or Not to Judge. We're going to be dealing in this passage just a few short verses with two of the most commonly quoted and misapplied scriptures in the Bible. The second one, which we'll get to later, is that one that says, Give, and it shall be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. How many of you have heard that? Many times, right? What context is that usually applied to? Give some money. Now, the principle in that can apply to giving. Okay? But that's not the primary context. When you read that verse in context, the main thought there is not about giving money. I'll be honest with you, it kind of gets me a little ticked off when I hear people quote that verse and say, give, give, give to me, to my ministry, to this cause, because if you do, then God is obligated to give back to you a whole bunch more than you gave. I want to tell those people, then why don't you give away all the money you got in your bank account and then God will give it back? I'm getting off on a sidetrack here. But that may raise the question, well, then what does it apply to? We're going to get to that before we get done today. But the first one and the main thing that we've got the, 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 the uh, title from judge, to judge or not to judge is that whole thing that says, judge not or you will be judged. Have you ever been in a situation where you were talking with someone with perhaps concern for their life, for their lifestyle, for something they were involved in, for something they were doing, something they were saying, or whatever, and almost their immediate response was, don't judge me. You claim to be a Christian, you're not supposed to judge. Didn't Jesus say, judge not, or you will be judged? Has that ever happened to you? Yeah. Now, don't raise your hand. You don't have to confess. 
Have you ever said that? When somebody's talking to you about something they're concerned about in your life. And your response has been, don't judge me. Jesus said, judge not. That should be judged. So are Christians supposed to judge? Are they supposed to not judge? Are they allowed to judge? We're going to deal with that today. We're going to be looking at it in context and see what Jesus meant by what he said. Okay? So we're going to jump in, read the whole passage, and then we're going to take a look at what um, Jesus said and how it applies to our lives. So we're in Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 37, reading through verse 42. I'm going to read the whole passage. There's a couple of verses in there I'm not going to deal with today because they fit better with what I'm going to talk to you about next week, and we will deal with them then. But jumping right in at Luke 6, 37, Jesus says, judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not. And you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Those are the two verses we'll deal with next week. But then he jumps back into the judging thing again. So that's why we're going to go on in verse 41. He says, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take that speck that is in your eye. Take out the speck that is in your eye. When you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye, you hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. All right. As we jump into this, there's a couple different categories I want to deal with. And the first one is that there seems to be a contradiction in the Bible. I title this a seeming contradiction. Perhaps you've heard people say, well, I can't believe in the Bible. There's too many things that are contradictions. And I will tell you that there are things in the Bible that if you pick this from here and you pick that from here and you pick this from here, that looks like a contradiction. But when you examine God's word and what it teaches in context, you will find that there are not contradictions. And those things that seem to possibly be contradictions have a very, very good explanation. That's why we're supposed to dig into God's word. But here we have one of those seeming contradictions. Because you see, in some passages, God instructs us not to judge. Today's passage is one of those. Here in Luke chapter 6, Jesus says, Judge not, and you will not be judged. Matthew says his version of this same teaching in Matthew 7, 1. But as we look through Scripture, I'm just going to give you a couple of them. There's many, many more. There's a passage in Romans 14, especially in verses 1 to 4 where Paul is dealing with Christians who have been judging one another. And he says, listen, we are all servants of God. And what gives you the right to judge somebody else's servant? So basically saying, don't judge. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 29, Paul is actually kind of up in arms. And he says, you know, people are always trying to judge me. Who gives people right to judge my freedom? In 1 Corinthians 4, 5. Paul is doing a teaching about when we look at other people's lives, we don't always know all the circumstances. He says, do not judge anything before the appointed time, but leave it up to God. 
James 4.12 says, Who are you to judge your neighbor? If we were to take all those verses and only those verses, it'd be very easy to say, God makes it very clear that we are not to judge anytime, place, anybody, under any circumstances. But when we look at all of Scripture, we see that not only are there some passages God instructs us not to judge, there are some passages where God instructs us to judge. To judge. Matthew chapter 7 is Matthew's... Sermon on the Mount, you know, the teaching that Jesus is doing. A lot that we're looking in Luke, his similarities to what Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount. And in Matthew chapter 7, it's interesting because the very first verse I told you is where Jesus said, don't judge. But then you get down to verse 15. He says, watch out for false prophets. He said, it doesn't say anything about judging. How can you know there's false prophets unless you make some kind of a judgment call about their teaching. In fact, one of the biggest problems that the early church had immediately after the resurrection and ascension and the church begins to grow and all through church history has been false teaching. And when you read through the New Testament, you see over and over and over again, Paul warning pastors, listen, watch out for false teachers. They're going to rise up within your churches like sheep. I mean, like wolves in the midst of sheep. And he writes to Timothy and Titus, who were also pastors. He says, listen, you got to put down this false teaching. How can we know it's false teaching unless some kind of judgment call is made? In Leviticus 19.15, God told his people, judge your neighbor fairly. In John 7.24, we'll look at this in more detail a little bit later. Jesus himself says, judge with right judgment. So the same guy says, judge not lest you be judged. Says, judge. With right judgment. In Romans 16, 17, Paul tells people to keep away from Christians or people who claim to be Christians who cause divisions and other problems. Again, the word judge is not used, but how do you do that unless you make some kind of judgment? You examine people's lives, their teachings, they're causing division, they're causing problems. You have to make a judgment call. Paul says stay away from them. He says something similar in 1 Corinthians 5.11. He even says, if there are people in your church that claim to be Christians, but are involved in a terribly immoral lifestyle and basically say, it doesn't matter. I'm a Christian, but I'm still going to commit adultery. I'm a Christian. I'm still going to do this. I'm a Christian. I'm still going to do that. He says, don't even have anything to do with them. Don't even eat with them. Separate yourself from people who claim to be Christians and who unabashedly, unashamedly, deliberately, and rebelliously live a disobedient, rebellious, immoral life. How can you do that unless you make some kind of judgment call? In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul's talking about how there was a problem in the church and believers were fussing with each other and they were suing one another and they were going to the court system to get these lawsuits settled. He says, listen... You as believers, if you really love the Lord and you've got God's God's uh, perspective in mind, you guys could serve for judges for one another and not have to be an embarrassment before the world. Now, those are just a few verses among many where God calls us to judge or to make some kind of judgment call. How can we reconcile this? Should we just say, well, pastor, you just made the point. The Bible's full of contradictions. Apparently we can't trust it. So maybe God's not really God. Let's just go home and eat lunch. No, that's not what I'm trying to say. And as I was thinking and praying about this, I felt like God gave me an illustration. 
Okay? I think this will help you understand how this can say this the way it does. Uh, most of you out here drive, I assume. There are some of you that don't, don't drive, um, either because you never have or you're not old enough yet. But for those of you who drive, how many of you have ever driven over 20 miles an hour? <laughs> Is there anybody that drives that's never driven over 20 miles an hour? I don't think so. Right? Now let me ask you a question. If you have ever driven over 20 miles an hour, how can you justify that? I've, I've been driven down the, down the street all through the years I've been driving, and there are so many times I see a sign that says speed limit 20 miles an hour. And it's so important that the people that make those laws and put up the signs, a lot of them have flashing lights. Maybe you saw some this week. Right? I mean, they want you to get the thing. You're not supposed to drive over 20 miles an hour. And not only do some of them have flashing lights, some of them have an additional sign that says, if you do, you're going to be in trouble. That's not literally what it says, but it spells it out. Some kind of big fee, some kind of big fine or whatever. So in light of the, all these signs that are out there, don't drive over 20 miles an hour. Flashing lights, warnings. How can you justify driving over 20 miles an hour? You say, because that's just in school zones, right? I mean, those of you that drive and you know that, that's the first thing you came to your mind. Well, that doesn't apply to other places. That's why there are speed limit signs because there are different speed limits in different places. You see, what makes the difference is the context of the sign. Where that sign is. And the same thing is true for these scriptures on judging and not judging. And any other place that you see a scripture you don't understand, it seems to contradict. It depends on the context. You see, when you're driving through a school zone during those restricted hours, you should not drive over 20 miles an hour. There are flashing lights to remind you and warnings that you could get into a lot of trouble. But in other contexts, you can drive faster than that. Thank God. Can you imagine living your whole life never driving your car over 20 miles an hour so using that illustration i would just say to you that what god is telling us in his word is that there are some circumstances some contexts in which we are not to judge but there are other circumstances and other contexts when we are supposed to judge it depends on the circumstances But can I also tell tell you that it's not just the attitude or the issue of judging. It is the um, attitude that we have and the way we carry it out that is very significantly important. And we'll talk about that this morning, too. I mean, if you think about what is what does it mean to judge? Really, the word judge does not have a positive meaning or a negative meaning. It just depends on the circumstance, who's doing it and how they're going about it. Because the word to judge means to form an authoritative opinion about, to pass sentence on, to determine or pronounce after inquiry and deliberation. In other words, the idea is, I'm going to research this situation and make a decision. That's a judgment. It can have to do with your own self. It can have to do with something else. It can have to do with what's right and what's wrong, whatever. But, you know, I'm going to get as much information as I can and then I've got to make a decision. That's what it means to judge. It can be good. It can be bad. So what is he? How do we clarify what Jesus says here? So many times that verse, that first verse that we read is just quoted all by itself. In fact, it's just the first part of the verse. 
don't judge or you're going to be judged. And that's it. We don't take it in context or people don't take it in context. But in this context, compared to the rest of the Scripture, it's very clear what Jesus is talking about here, and that is that we are not to judge. Don't judge self-righteously. Don't judge self-righteously. We're going to dig deeper into that, what all that means, but basically it means is do not look at other people and judge them with this self-righteous attitude like I've got it all together and you don't, and I am coming down on you to criticize you, to condemn you, to push you down. Don't judge self-righteously. As I said, this is one of the most quoted of Jesus' sayings and probably the most misapplied. As I was preparing for this, I got an email this last week um, from a guy I follow, a Christian author, and he had a video clip from somebody else he recommended, and it was just on this topic. And I just happened to watch it, and the lady that was talking about, you know, judgment and discernment and what is appropriate, she says, this is probably the most verse, the verse that is most quoted by atheists. Okay, it's the atheist's favorite, I don't know if that's true or not, but favorite verse in the Bible. So what did Jesus mean? Don't judge self-righteously. Don't judge self-righteously. Well, let me tell you what he didn't mean, first of all. Jesus didn't mean that we should not have a justice system or a court system. In fact, Paul makes it very clear in Romans that God specifically set up leadership and rulership in nations and such and standards of right and wrong and systems to hold people accountable to that. God did that on purpose so this world wouldn't be in chaos. And that's why we have the responsibility to obey those in authority with one exception if they tell us to do something that God tells us not to do or vice versa. God's the higher authority. In fact, Paul goes on to say that those people have been put into place. And there's no indication that they have to be a Christian, non-Christian, but people in authority have been put into place to uphold the law and to punish those that break it. So this doesn't mean that we should not have a justice system. This doesn't mean that we should not try to differentiate between good and bad, between right and wrong. I mean, carry that to the logical conclusion. If these teachings were meant to say, listen, it's not up to you. To say something's right or wrong, good or bad, sinful, not sinful, evil, or whatever. Think of all the things we couldn't condemn. We couldn't condemn Hitler and all that he did during World War II. It's like, who are you to judge? We couldn't condemn Saddam Hussein and all the things that he did. We couldn't condemn the terrorists that flew the planes into the skyscrapers on 9-11. Who are we to judge? So it certainly doesn't mean that we don't have a right to do, to determine to the best of our abilities what's right and what's wrong, what's good or what's bad. This does not mean that we should not declare the truth to be truth. I already mentioned that Paul talked a lot about beware of false teachers. You know, we've got to proclaim the truth. We as believers need to stand for the truth and proclaim the truth and live the truth and make the truth obvious. Now, how we go about that is really important, and we'll come back to that. But I think too many times we do not stand for the truth because, oh, I'm not supposed to judge. I'm not supposed to judge. It's related, but this doesn't mean that we should not declare sin to be sin. The Bible, God's Word, is very clear about many things that are sin. And He calls them sin. And to be honest with you, when we decide to say, the Bible says this is sin, we're not actually making a judgment call. We're just repeating God's judgment call. God says this is sin. 
and declare things to be sin or not sin when it is clear in God's word is not what is being talked about here. Now, there's a very fine line here because there are things that people have determined that are sin supposedly based on God's word that God's word doesn't make very clear. That's where we get into some problems when we start declaring things to be sin that God has not declared to be sin, but we think that God should have declared it to be sin. You know, we see even Jesus when the woman that was caught in adultery was brought to him. He didn't judge, but he did judge. What do I mean? After that whole episode where they said, Jesus, what do you think we should do? This one was caught in, the, in adultery, and they're trying to get Jesus in a trap because if he says, don't do anything about it, they'll say, well, you don't take a stand for God's righteousness. And if he says, condemn her, then it's like, oh, well, that goes against everything you're talking about being loving to each other and all that kind of stuff and God's mercy and grace. And so Jesus basically says, let the one of you that doesn't have sin in your own life be the first one to cast the stone. And they all leave. And what happens? Jesus looks to the woman and he says, where are all your accusers? She says, they're gone. They left. He says, neither do I condemn you. He wasn't judgmental. But go and sin no more. You see, he made a statement. What you were involved in was sin. And it's wrong. And you need to stop doing that. So you see, he didn't judge, but he did judge. He wasn't judgmental, critical, condemning, but yet he made a judgment call. He spoke the truth. He made a declaration of what was sin and what was not and how we have a responsibility to not live that life of sin. So there's a really good balance between the two right there in that story about Jesus with the woman caught in adultery. So what did Jesus mean? Again, it goes back, don't judge self-righteously. But what does that mean? As I was studying this, and you can do this for yourself without digging into every little scripture. Other words that are associated with that is to be involved in judging another person with an attitude of pride, with a critical spirit, with the purpose of condemning, being harsh and impulsive, superficial, hypocritical, premature, which means too soon, biased, Judging them based on your own personal standards. That's why Jesus told that little story that we ended with here. That one that's humorous. You know, sometimes people think Jesus was always so serious. Jesus had a sense of humor. God has a sense of humor. There are things in the Bible that if you really understand what's being said in the context, it's like, God, God, and you know, if you don't think God has a sense of humor, just look in the mirror. But anyway, that's a whole other thing. But Jesus tells a humorous story here when he says, hey, how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when you got this log in your own eye? I mean, just picture that. People just could, could, you know, could probably laugh. It's like, you know what? I look at you got this little splinter in your eye. I can tell it's causing you problems. I'm going to take it out for you. And you're sitting there and you've got this big telephone pole sticking out of your eye. How are you going to see good enough to take that speck out? He says, that's what it's like when we judge other people. When we got a mess in our life, it's a whole lot bigger than the messes in their life. And we're all self-righteous about it and say, I'm going to ignore my thing because I'm going to come down on you for your thing. But notice what Jesus says. He goes on to say, first, remove the log out of your eye and then you can help your brother. You see, he wants us to help our brother 
or our sister that has the speck. He wants us to help our brother or sister that has the issue. He wants to help our brother or sister that may be getting off track in their walk with Jesus. He wants us to help our brother or sister that may be getting off track with what they believe and it doesn't line up with God's Word. But He says, you don't need to do it with this self-righteous attitude like I've got it all together and you don't and I'm going to set you straight when you've got your own issues. Take care of your own issues first. Then you can lovingly, graciously help your brother and sister with their issue. That's what he's talking about here. This was true of the religious leaders of Jesus' day. That's why he throws in the passage there about, you know, if the blind's leading the blind, won't they both fall in the ditch? And every student will be like his master, his teacher. We'll study those next week. We've got to choose very carefully who we follow because they're going to lead us somewhere. If they don't know where they're going, if they're blind, they're going to lead us off a cliff and we're going to eventually become like the people we follow. So be careful who you choose you're going to follow. And so he's kind of referring to the religious leaders. And one of the biggest, uh, most common words Jesus used about the religious leaders of that day were hypocrites because they were so self-righteous and judgmental and looked down on everybody because nobody else measured up. But they had bigger issues in their own lives than the people they were looking down on. So we shouldn't judge this way for a number of reasons. And let me just throw a couple out there for us to ponder. We shouldn't judge this way, first of all, because we will be judged in the same way we judge. That's what Jesus says here. Do not judge, judge not, and you will not be judged because in the same way, same measure you use will be measured back to you. If we're harsh, critical, condemning in our judgments, we can be judged the same way by God and by others. Have you ever noticed that? It seems like people who are really judgmental, it seems like other people want to be judgmental right back to them. It's that whole principle of you reap what you sow. We'll come back to that. We'll be judged in the same way that we judge. But not only that, but we're blinded by our own faults. The whole point of the little parable, the humorous story Jesus told is many times we're blinded by our own faults. We, we see stuff in other people's lives like, how in the world can they not see that? And it makes us wonder, who looks at us and says, how in the world can they not see that in their lives? What are we blinded to? I see this so often in groups of people who claim to be Christian. And it's not my job to determine whether they really are Christians or not, because I don't know their hearts. Who come out so vehemently and hatefully against certain sins and lifestyles. In the name of God. Not realizing that, yes, what they're saying perhaps about sins and lifestyles may be true. They are sin. They're not pleasing in God's sight. They're not what God has for people. They need to be repented of. But that the way that they are doing it in their hatred and their arrogance and their self-righteousness is just as much of a problem as the people that they're condemning for their sinful lifestyles. That's why I say how we go about it is so very, very important. We're blinded by our own faults. My wife and I talk about this on a regular basis. You know, we may see something that happened, something somebody did something or whatever, somebody's life, and it's like, and it just seems like, you know, it's somebody that we love or somebody care about, you know, whatever, and it's like, but they've got this situation and they're causing problems for themselves. How can they not see that? but it's because we're blinded to our own faults. There's been many times that my wife has, has said to me, and we've talked about the same things, like, 
what am I blind to in my life? You know, is there something that's not the way it should be in my life and I don't even see it because I'm blind to my own issues? It's a good question for us to wrestle with, to pray about and ask God to show us. Another reason we sit and judge under many circumstances because we don't know all the facts. We don't know all the facts. Let me give you a little bit of a humorous illustration. Every once in a while when I'm up here preaching, I see somebody starting to nod off. Okay? I usually don't. I've had people come up to me after service saying, Pastor, I'm so sorry. I was starting to fall asleep during service and they'll start telling me why and stuff. I didn't even notice. I'll be honest with you. I try to look at everybody. You know, those of you that are online, I look towards you. But, you know, uh, a lot of times I'm just kind of skimming. I don't see everything that goes on. Sometimes people say, did you see that thing that happened in church today? Blah, blah, blah. No, I didn't even notice. I was so focused on trying to communicate. But every once in a while, I see somebody starting to nod off. But can I tell you, I don't just immediately assume that this person must not be very spiritual because they're not paying attention to God's Word. I don't assume that, you know what, they should have done a lot better about getting some good rest last night. They probably stayed up really, really late watching TV or playing video games or doing this, that, and the other when they should have gotten to bed early so they'd be fresh and alert and ready to worship God and hear God's Word. That just sounds so judgmental, doesn't it? I don't assume that because I don't know all the details. I've had people come to me and say, I'm so sorry I was falling asleep, but I'm on this new medication. I'm having a hard time staying awake. I've known of people who are out all day Saturday doing God's work and got to bed late because they were doing something God told them to do and they didn't get much sleep, but they at least made the effort to get up and be here even though they were having a hard time. I've known people that worked that shift all night long and said, I'm still going to be in church on Sunday morning. And they came in and they're just like, oh, I'm so sleepy. So I try not to judge. Now, don't use that as an excuse to take a nap while I'm preaching, please. But that's a good example. We don't know all the facts. I read this on Facebook a number of years, and it so impressed me. I recorded it to use as an illustration. Here's a Facebook post I saw a number of years ago. It says, a 15-year-old girl holds hands with her one-year-old son. People call her a slut, not knowing that she was raped when she was 13. People call another guy fat. No one knows he has a serious disease causing him to be overweight, and there's nothing he can do about it. People call an old man ugly. No one knows that he received a serious injury to his face while fighting for our country. People make fun of a bald woman, but they don't know that she has cancer. Repost this if you're against bullying and stereotyping. But anyway, that's an example. We don't always know all the details. And another thing is, is we don't always know a person's motives. God does. That's why the passage in 1 Corinthians 4, 5, Paul says, listen, there's certain things that you should not judge until the time comes. In fact, leave it in God's hands because you don't know what's going on in that person's heart, what's going on in that person's life, but God does. But God does. So don't judge self-righteously. So how are we to judge? Just the opposite. Judge righteously. What does that mean? Let me give you some guidelines. Going back to the scripture I said we'd come back to in John chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus says, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. In other words, there are circumstances under which we're called to make a judgment, but when we do, we need to know what we're talking about. Not just based on what you see, what appears to be, but after a consideration of all the facts and everything that you can... Now, again, this is not permission to dig into people's lives and stick your nose in people's business where it doesn't belong. 
But when you're in a situation where God's word says you, you need to make a decision, you know, even if it's just for yourself or you're trying to help a brother or sister, make sure it's not just based on appearances, but judge righteously. How do we do this in light of what we've already talked about? Let me just give you a couple of thoughts that'll help you in this, okay? Number one, use the right standard. If you've got to make a judgment call, use the right standard. What is that standard? That standard is God's word. That standard is what God has said about it. As I said earlier, if we make a judgment call based on what God says about something, we're actually not making the judgment call. God's already made the judgment call. We're just stating what God says about it. But we need to be very, very careful to make sure that our judgment matches God's. Because the religious leaders of Jesus' day and all through history and sometimes in our own lives, we make judgment calls on things that God has not made real clear. In fact, a couple of the scriptures that I pointed out at the beginning of the message where Paul says, don't judge, and how can somebody judge my freedom, and who are you to judge somebody else's servant? If you look at all those verses in context, which we did not do, it's talking about areas where God's word is not totally clear, and he's given his followers freedom to pursue their conscience. And some Christians follow their conscience this way on that issue. Some Christians follow their conscience that way on that issue. And the people that went that way on that issue have a tendency to want to judge the people that went that way, and vice versa. Things that theologians through the years have called disputable matters. Things that God's not real clear about. How we spend our time on, quote, the Sabbath. You know, when Sunday's not really the Sabbath anyway, Saturday is. Just all these little rules and stuff that we try to determine what's right and what's wrong. God's not made real clear. And I feel this way, so I live this way. You feel that way, you go that way. Again, I'm not talking about something that's really clear. It's not like you say, well, you know, I don't think it's really clear in God's word whether adultery is right or wrong. You know, so I mean, you, you think it's wrong, but I don't think there's anything. No, God's made that very clear. So use the right standard. Use God's standard and make sure if you are making a judgment call, your standard matches what God really said about it. Not just something that's based on your preferences, the way you were raised, your original culture, your feelings, your upbringing, but God's standard. Use the right standard. Do it from the right position. What do I mean by that? Do it from the position of, God, I am open and honest before you. And I'm open and honest before my brothers and sisters. And I've given brothers and sisters in my life permission to say, listen, if you see me getting off track anywhere, please let me know. If you hear me say something, it's like, that doesn't really line up with God's word, please let me know. And I've given you that permission in my life. I've told you. You need to, you need, I, I hope you come whenever I preach or teach or anybody else in our church for that matter and you come open, ready to receive and say, okay, God, I want to apply this to my life. But you don't just come gullible. Like, I'll just believe anything Pastor Tim says. I can tell you, I don't want to lead you astray. When I preach and teach, I want what I have to say to be based on God's word and my best understanding of what God's real word really means in context and only apply it in ways that I believe it's meant to be applied. But I am human. And I told you many times, I'll tell you again today. You take what I say, you examine it against God's word. And if you don't think I'm doing it right, preaching it straight, or I'm getting off balance, you come talk to me. Because one of two things is true. Either you're wrong or I'm wrong. And if I'm wrong, I want to know it. Because I don't want to be preaching and teaching the wrong thing or applying it the wrong way. And if you're wrong, I want to lovingly, gently try to tell you why I see it the way I do in God's Word and why I think that maybe you've got it a little bit wrong. 
But from the right position, the position of being forgiven and to the best of our ability, having our own issues under control. In other words, we've taken the time to try to get the logs removed from our eyes. If God says we can't be very helpful in somebody else's life, if we've got this big old telephone pole coming out of our eye, then I need to get that telephone pole out of my eye before I try to help somebody else. That's the position, the right position that we need to be in. Knowing we're right before God and to the best of our understanding and ability, we've got our issues covered, taken care of, or we're working on them with God's help. We need to do it with the right attitude. You see, the whole thing about judgment that really makes it so hard and that Jesus is really against here is being critical, condemning, judgmental, self-righteous, full of pride. We need to have the attitude of humility, of love, of being forgiving, being merciful, not critical and condemning. And that comes out so clearly when you read this short statement people like to quote, but read the whole thing. Judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven and give and it will be given back to you. And again, the idea here is not give money, but give love, give forgiveness, give mercy, give grace. That's the kind of attitude we should have. If we've got to make a judgment call, we're trying to help a brother and sister in Christ. We do it in love. Or even if it's not a brother and sister in Christ. I was talking with somebody before the service and they saw what the title was. They knew where I was going. And they shared that one time they were trying to share, trying to talk to a Jehovah's Witness. And, and they were talking about their beliefs about Jesus. And, and, and they said to them, you know, what you're involved in is a cult. And their response was, don't judge. Jesus says, don't judge. You're going to be judged. Well, I wasn't there. Knowing this person, I'm sure they said it very lovingly and and because they care about that person. But if someone were to try to talk to a Jehovah's Witness or a Mormon or some other cult member about their beliefs, and if they did it with a condemning, judgmental, like you're all going to go to hell, and you say it like you're really glad they're going there, that's not the way to do it. But if you can have an honest conversation with love because you care about that person and they're caught up in a system of beliefs that's going to lead them to hell unless they know the truth and know Jesus. That's a whole different thing. So with the right attitude, with the right motivation, again, not to condemn but to help. James chapter 5, verses 19 to 20. James says, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. To do that, it requires a judgment call, right? We have to see that we've got a brother or sister that's wandering from the truth. Am I gonna, am I in a position? I've got a relationship where I can help bring them back. But that's my motive. My motive isn't to tell them they're doing wrong, just to tell them they're doing wrong, to condemn them, to criticize them but because I love them, because I care about them, and I want to help draw them back to the truth, back to the right path. And the last one is this, use the right methods. Use the right methods. Now, there's an old Chinese proverb, it's not in the Bible, but I think it should be. I didn't make that decision, and I'm not trying to claim to be God. I just love these Chinese proverbs. This Chinese proverb says, do not remove a fly from your friend's head with a hatchet. I love, I love that proverb. Very, very, very practical. What does it mean? Your friend's got a little problem. Don't kill him in the process of dealing with the problem, right? 
And that's what I'm talking about here. Use the right methods. And the Bible gives us a lot of instructions on how we can help one another in areas of difficulty. And we do it with all the things I already talked about, the right attitude, the right motive, lovingly, you know, humbly, that kind of thing. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 says, Brothers, if anyone's caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. In a spirit of gentleness. All kinds of instructions on God in God's Word on how we deal with people that are believers, maybe going the wrong way, or unbelievers, and we do it in love and mercy and grace. Okay. The last thought before we start to wrap this up from this passage. Generously treat others the way you want to be treated. This whole thing about judge not, or you're going to be judged, condemn not... What is Jesus saying? And he goes on here, generously treat others the way you want to be treated. Judge not, you'll not be judged. You don't want to be judged the wrong way? Then generously, and just make a great effort to the best of your ability and go beyond to not be judgmental in your interactions with them. You don't want to be condemned? Don't be condemning. You want to be forgiven? You forgive. You want people to give to you, and I'm not talking about money. And as I said, in this context, Jesus is not primarily talking about money. You want people to give to you love, mercy, grace, forgiveness, non-judgmentalism, if that's even a word, non-condemnation, then you need to do the same thing. Because there's this principle in God's law, in God's world, and in this world that says you're going to, in general, it doesn't always happen, but in general, you're going to get back what you give. If we talk about taking passages of scripture, uh, passages of scripture in context, and I said that that phrase "judge not, lest should be judged" should be taken in the context of the whole passage. We read that passage, but you know, it's in a bigger context. What's the verse right before "judge not"? Anybody know without looking? We dealt with it last week. Actually, the week before. Verse thirty-six says, "Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful." You see, as Jesus is teaching along, he's saying, be merciful as your father is merciful. In light of that, judge not lest you be judged. In other words, as you're dealing with other people, don't be judgmental. Don't be self-righteous. Don't be hypocritical. But in mercy, deal with people with what they're going through. And even earlier, up in verse 31, we have what we know as the golden rule. Jesus said, and as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. And so that's the principle It's here. He says, listen, treat people the way you'd like to be treated. Just like God is merciful, you should be like God, your Father, so you be merciful too. So generously treat others the way you want to be treated. And that's where this idea comes in where he says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over will be put into your lap. Here's the picture here. In their culture, when you are measuring out grain, okay, you're buying grain and you want to get all the grain you paid for. And if somebody was being honest with you about giving you all the grain you paid for, you would have a basket, you'd have something. Sometimes they would actually use their their, their clothing. They would wear these like robe tunic things and, and they would get the front of it and kind of gather it up like a, it was a great big pocket. That's where it says poured into your lap, okay? And so the person that was selling the grain would begin to pour the grain in there. But after it got about three quarters of the way full, there may be air pockets and so they would shake it. So that the grain would kind of settle down and sift down and they'd pour some more in and they would shake it. 
and they would pour it in and they would pour it in until it's just running over to make sure you got your full measure. Generous measure. And that's the picture Jesus is using here. The principle, I mentioned it before in Scripture, it says you reap what you sow, Galatians 6, 7. The world calls it karma. Whatever you give out, you're going to get back. What goes around comes around. And God says, in light of that, generously treat others the way you want to be treated. So how do we apply this? How do we apply this today? First of all, I want to challenge us. I'm not saying you that be judgmental. I want to challenge those of us who at times want to immediately respond to someone with, don't judge me. You may have a point. You may have a valid point. I'm not saying you don't. But can I tell you that when we're in our lives and we're involved in things or believing things or living ways that really aren't pleasing to God, one of the ways we justify it is by saying, people should not judge me. And all I'm saying is if you really love Jesus and you want to live for him and you want to please him in every way, that there's an area in your life that maybe somebody or people have tried to talk to you about and your immediate response is, don't judge me, you're not supposed to judge me. Don't just dismiss it. Don't just say, I'm good to go. Take some time to examine that issue, whatever it is, compared to God's Word. And you may discover, I'm fine with God. I mean, this is an area of freedom. This is an area, there's not an issue. I've studied it. I've prayed it. I, I know I'm good. And then that's fine. But it could be that God is trying to speak to you by a brother or a sister or something you've read or something you've seen or something you've heard and your immediate response of judge not is your way to defend something that really needs to change in your life. And in my life, I said I challenge us to be open to God's Spirit speaking to us about something that should change. Whether He does it straight to our heart or if He does it through somebody else. The second thing I want to say is to those of you who have been unjustly judged, which would probably include every single one of us in our room, in this room or online, at some point we have been unjustly judged and condemned and criticized. And if that has been done by a Christian, I just want to say I am so sorry. I hope I wasn't the one that did it. But even though I don't believe I was in every situation, I say I am so sorry. There's so much damage that is done to the kingdom of God and the cause of Christ because of judgmental Christians. And I don't mean Christians that are standing up for the truth, Christians that are standing up for God's standards, but ones that are standing up for the truth and for God's standards, and they're doing it in such a way that it causes more hurt than it does help. Because it doesn't show God's grace. It doesn't show His mercy. It doesn't show God's love. If you are here, you're online, and you're one of those that maybe right now you don't even have a relationship with God, and that's one of the main reasons. You're here in church today, you're watching online, God led you to this, and you're like, you know what, I wouldn't want to be a Christian because the way some Christians have treated me, I am sorry. Right is right, wrong is wrong. There is a standard God has set. Sin is sin. Sin destroys. That's why God wants us to leave it behind and why He's paid the price for our sin to be forgiven. And I state that without being judgmental because I'm a sinner too. Please don't let Christians who have not handled things right keep you 
from having a relationship with God. But I would say that this is not just about how you treat others. But what kind of person are you? And what kind of person do you want to be? Let me describe two different types of people and you tell me which one you want to be. Critical, judgmental, condemning, hypocritical, harsh, prideful, mean, angry, and hateful. Or do you want to be loving, forgiving, caring, helpful, encouraging, and merciful? You see, that's what this is really all about. Jesus says as we live our life and we're trying to live pleasing to God and we're trying to help other people, whether they're brothers and sisters in Christ or they're people out in the world that are caught up in their sin and God loves them, but they're headed to hell and we want them to come to know Jesus as their Savior so they can be forgiven. How do we come across? How do we deal with issues of right and wrong and truth and error, sin, evil? Do we come across critical, judgmental, condemning, hypocritical, harsh, prideful, mean, angry, and hateful, or loving, forgiving, caring, helpful, encouraging, and merciful? Just think for a moment, and we're done. How does God treat us? God is God. And He knows what's right and what's wrong, what's sinful and not, what's evil and good. He has a standard, and because of His standard, and the fact that we're all sinners, our sin will be judged. And God is the ultimate judge. And God will judge sin. Our sin will be judged, and it will be paid for. The question is, who will pay for it? Because God is not only the judge, God is a loving and merciful and gracious and forgiving judge. That doesn't mean he just writes it off. But that's why Jesus came, was to take the judgment for our sin upon himself. And that's what salvation is all about is looking to Jesus and asking God to forgive us of our sin and begin a relationship with Him based not on the fact that we think that we can somehow be good enough or whatever, that we deserve it, but based on the fact that that's why Jesus died. And if we put our trust in His payment for our sins, surrender our life to Him, begin to live the life the best we can with His help to leave that sin behind, that God will forgive us. Because yes, God is righteous, God is holy, and He will judge sin, but He's also loving and merciful and forgiving if we turn to Him. Let's all stand together. As we close today, I'm going to invite our elders that are present and you're able to come. Our worship team is going to lead us in a song, and this is the time when I encourage you to meditate on what God has spoken through His Word and say, how does that apply to my life? And make some decisions. Ask God, God, what do I need to do to apply this message to my life? And, and respond in that way. You want to sing along with the song because everything's cool between you and God right now. You're, you know, we're, you're good and you want to sing along. That's great. Take this time to meditate. But we want to make ourselves available to you. That if you would like us to pray with you about anything, for yourself, for someone else, totally unrelated to the sermon, maybe related to the sermon, it doesn't matter. We're here and we'll pray with you. And if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with God and you'd like to do that today, you'd like to establish a relationship with Him, you'd like to surrender your life to Christ or learn more about it, we'd love to talk to you about that too. So let's take a couple moments to do that and then I'll come back in just a little bit to close in prayer. 
You know, this message is one of those that to really apply it, you just got to go out and start living it. And ask God to help you change little by little by little. So I challenge you to do that today. I mean, you can say a prayer here and say, God, this applies to me this way, this way. Please help me. And that's a great start. But we've got to go out and do it. I don't know about you, but I want to go out into my world this week being more loving, being more gracious, being more merciful, standing for the truth, sharing the truth when God opens the door, but doing it in such a way that people are drawn to the truth rather than repelled by it. I want to be used by God this week to help my brothers and sisters or others that God brings on that have a difficulty and me bringing that up may come across judgmental, but I don't want to come across judgmental. I want to come across caring and loving and caring that they're not where they need to be and, and want to help them get back to, to, to where they need to be. And I hope that that's your desire too. And God will help you to do that. God will help you to do that. Let's ask him to do that as we leave today. Father, thank you for your presence with us today. Thank you again for speaking to us through your word. And Father, I pray that we would not be defensive as you're speaking to us. Our flesh may immediately rise up and say, it doesn't apply to me. Don't judge me. But God, may we be open to your spirit speaking to us. And Lord, in any way in which any of this applies to our lives, just confirm it, Lord Jesus. I pray that for myself. And God, help us to be great representatives of Jesus in our world. That we're a growing, strong, mature Christian to the degree we can be where we're at in our life. Standing for the truth and for what's right and what's godly. Not backing down out of fear or whatever, but doing so with love and mercy and grace. And God, to do that, we need your help. So please help us this week. Father, we thank you and we praise you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. God bless you. Have a great week this week. enjoyed listening to today's message or Bible study. For more information, please contact us at area code 352-347-3001 or visit us online. If you are interested in supporting this ministry, go to our website and click on the online giving tab. Our website address is www.marionoaksag.org. 